so back. So very excited to be back on the NLF Insider Podcast with the great Michael Flanagan as my co-host and producer. And Daisy is uh, looking like a not so much of a co-host and producer this evening, but I'm sure we can get her uh, get her on staff at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say we're more back than Daisy is asleep right now, so. We're just saying something. And no better way to bring back the NLF Insider Podcast than they hit you with a couple of five-star interviews. Well, they're five-star prospects. I don't know about my interviewing skills if they're five stars, but it's close enough. One star. One star. Well, all right. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Anyway, we are joined by number 17 prospect in the class of 2025, Maddie Higgins, an attackman from Boys Latin, the West Coast Stars, Team 91 Shock, and a recent Maryland Verbal. And then we're going to switch to the other side of the ball for one of the best defensemen in, in the class in number eight, Gavin Cooper, uh, a defenseman LSM from Habford School outside of Philly and big four Triple H and one of Triple H's 86 Duke commits in this class. So two very bright prospects, uh, both had some very interesting things to say. Uh, Maddie Higgins has a pretty cool backstory being from California, transferring to Boys Latin. Uh, and Gavin Cooper is undoubtedly the first water polo player I think I've ever interviewed uh, on the NLF Insider podcast. I've interviewed some water polo players before, but not on, on this podcast. Certified, so, a certified assassin. <laughs> bit of a scary dude. So without further ado, we're going to kick it over to our interviews with those two. And we are pumped to have number 17 player in the 2025 class, an attackman from Boys Latin, uh, West Coast Stars, and Team 91, Shock. Maddie Higgins. Maddie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, man, we're pumped to have you. So, you know, first thing I'm, I'm very curious about, you got one of the uh, more interesting backstories in the class. You've basically been all over. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're California native. Um, and I know you played your freshman year out there before coming out to BL as a sophomore. Take us through that. First of all, I mean, huge process, obviously coming across the country to play in, you know, arguably the toughest league in the, in the country. Uh, what went into that thought process and, you know, take us through all that. Yeah. So my eighth grade summer, I uh, went to a camp called national ID camp. Um, and that's where I initially met coach Farrell. So my, so I was already uh, planning on attending SI um, and it was a little too late to transfer uh, for my freshman year. So couldn't make it happen. So Ended up just st sticking it out at SI for a year. Um, stayed in contact with Coach Farrell throughout that year. Um, ended up having a pretty good season there. Uh, realized, like, hey, like, let's test myself. Like, let's go play in the best conference in the country and, and see what happens. So packed all my bags and kind of just moved out here. Um, and, yeah, I've loved it so far. I mean, it's been it's been a great transition. Yeah, it must have been a little bit of a culture shock. I mean, SI is one of the best programs on the West Coast, and I know you, you crushed it there. Um, but BL and and playing in that league every week is is as good as it gets, and especially like the non-league games are just as hard. Um, take us through that. I mean, how much of an adjustment was it for you, not just, you know, playing-wise, but having to adjust, you know, off the field and, and academically and all that? Like, was it a big shock for you? Did it take you a little while to, to kind of get used to it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the transition – was definitely a little hard at first. Um, I mean, SI is a 1600 co-ed uh, private school and BL's 300, around 350 all boys. Um, 
And so that was definitely a culture shock because I've never been to an all boys school. Um, and especially like moving out and not knowing really anyone, like the first few months were definitely a little hard. And I, I, I can speak for most of the guys, like the first couple months at, at, at BL, I mean, it's a brand new boarding school. This is the third year. It was, it's hard. I mean, just with, it's kind of like a test trial. Um, like we're still, we're still figuring things out, but, uh, after those few months, I mean, I really, really started to get into a groove academically. Um, just with like getting to know my teachers at SI, the class sizes were around like 30, 35 kids. Um, and here, I mean, I have a class with six kids. So you really get to know your teachers well and you get to know all your classmates really well. Um, and then lacrosse wise, definitely was a big change. I mean, the game here compared to SI, just playing in the MIA versus the WCAL, which is uh, the league SI plays in. Um, it's definitely a faster pace. And so coming out here, you know, playing the best teams, some of the best teams every single week was definitely uh, a little bit harder. You know, you got to you got to stay locked in. It definitely was hard at first, but over the past year, I've definitely, definitely gotten better with that. How about, was there kind of a, you know, welcome to the MIAA moment for you or or were things you're like, all right, things are a little bit different here. Or maybe it was like one of the crowds, at, you know, one of those games or just you know, you went up against an older, uh, one of the bigger known defensemen in the league, anything like that? I definitely would say probably my first game, you know, against St. John's at their place. I was very nervous, you know, uh, I got to start that game, you know, it was a lot of different emotions running through my head. Um, I think my first shot against Big Tasty, like he saved it. And I was like, wow, like this is, this is legit. This is real. Um, and then over like, playing Lawrenceville and Culver, definitely Culver, you know, they, they stuck it to us that, that day. Uh, that was definitely a wake up for sure. But once we got into the MIA season, um, you know, I started to get a lot more comfortable and, and uh, really, really picked it up. Switching gears a little bit. You know, I know you've, you've bounced around a bit and you've played for some different clubs uh, Advance, One of the best, you know, probably the best club in, in Northern California, West Coast Stars um, speaks for itself, you know, the best for recruiting out West. And obviously uh, with, with Coach Mulet and the NLF champion 91 Shock, um, you know, let's let's start with with right there. I mean, what was that like playing with that team for the, with the Shock and, you know, going on such an incredible run at NLF against, you know, some of the best teams in the country with every coach in the country watching, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of the best, I mean, most fun tournaments I've ever played in. I mean, I had to rep the oh, there you go. one. Had to rep it. Um, Still champs. Exactly, exactly. But uh, that that three game against 91 Maryland, Massachusetts in prime time was probably the most like unreal three three game stretch I've ever been a part of. Um, and then like playing with 91 Long Island like was just so much fun. Like Coach Millet and Coach O'Keefe just like have so much passion and and push it on on us. And playing with guys like Triolo and Gary and uh, Rayo and Parker McDonald, like all those guys are just so gritty and tough and like all they want to do is win. So it was definitely super fun playing with them. And I'm excited to keep playing with them over the next year. You know, one of the coolest things about the NLF national championships is that it always has the most college coaches. Was mm -hmm. that a bit surreal? Like looking, I mean, just thinking of that Massachusetts game in particular, where it seemed like every college yeah. coach in America was there. How nerve wracking yeah. was it for you? But at the same time, like that's why you play in the NLF, right? Like those are the experiences you're looking for. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that, that's why, like, that's why you do it. You want all those coaches there. So I kind of, you know, I tried, tried to like 
get it off my mind, like kind of kind of make it as if they're not there. But it definitely definitely was in the back of my head. Um, I mean, just like I try not to look at the sidelines, but I mean, like you have to like you see like some of these like schools that you've just like been dreaming to get calls from on September 1st, like watching you. It's just like, wow, like this is really cool. So it definitely was a little nerve wracking. But once you get into the game, you, you kind of forget about it. Yeah, I mean, on that note, if I remember correctly, you stuck one early against Massachusetts, kind of coming mm-hmm. up the hash and went, you know, overhand. With, did that help settle your nerves a little bit in, in such a big game? For sure. Yeah, it's always good to, like, get an early one, either assist or goal. Um, that definitely settles me down. And, you know, being a, a, from the West, obviously you, you've played for the Stars for, for quite a while. Um, you know, and you've played for both this summer, but what's it like, you know, playing for the stars and, and having guys like John O kind of spearhead your recruiting them, you know, they're the best in the West for a reason. And, and they've been the leaders in Western recruiting. So I'm sure they, they played a big, uh, big role in getting help get you to Maryland. Yeah, for sure. I mean, coach, coach Zizzy, coach Rotelli, like I've been, I've known those guys for as long as I can remember playing lacrosse, like Coach Rotelli advanced. I think I tried out second grade. So I've known him much of my like lacrosse time. And he's just an awesome role model to have. Like just asking him questions throughout the year and having him guide me through this process, but just through other stuff. It's it's been really helpful. And and playing playing with West Coast Stars is awesome just because I played rec with some of those guys like Blake Hetherington and Ian Dykes, I know are great above me, but I played rec with those guys and Jockmo Chapman. Like I've played with some of these guys for 10, 12 years. So it's awesome to play with them and see, see, see some of these guys go to great places. Yeah. And then, you know, switching gears a little bit, you committed to Maryland. <clears throat> um, you know, obviously one of the top programs in the country year in and year out. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you had everybody coming after you what kind of set the the terps apart from from everybody else and was it just spencer ford getting in your ear early and often (laughs) yeah spence was in my ear a little bit but i think maryland you know i when i visited on my visit like i just felt at home um like it just felt like the right place for me you know throughout my recruiting process i was kind of looking for four like key factors which was like great academics great lacrosse program like socially like what does it have to offer and then like alumni network for like post-college um and I just think Maryland like hit all those all four of those categories you know really well and plus coach Tillman and all coach Bernhardt's times three like all the I love all of them like we just had a great like a great connection right off the start and I think that's really what set it apart for me I was just going to revert back to that Waxachusetts, uh, I believe it was the quarterfinal game. What was the mood like in your huddle when I knew you guys were up like 10-7 and they came back and tied it? What was the mood like amongst you guys? Were you guys still like, all right, we got to go out there and bury this next one? Or was there were there some nerves with considering all the coaches that were surrounding the field? Or what was the mood like amongst you guys? I mean, I definitely there were definitely some nerves, but, you know, you have guys like Gary who, you know, hype up the team and, and get everyone pretty dialed in. So we weren't too worried about it. It was really just staying locked in and, and going out there and getting the next one. Um, that was kind of like the theme of the huddle. And you did. You did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie. That was that's probably that's probably the best club lacrosse game I've ever played in, I think. Like just vibe, obviously how it ended the result. Um 
I mean, just all of it. it was just a really fun game to be a part of. Did you get a good view of Kimo's goal, the one-hander? I did, yeah. Did you make did that pass? No, I think I passed it to Triolo who passed it to Kimo. I couldn't believe yeah, that play. Sick goal. Pretty yeah, decent. That was a goal. <laughs> Question yeah. for you, Matt. Is there is there one defenseman in the 25 class that, that you think has been, you know, the toughest for you to go against? There's a lot of good defenders in my class. I mean, I think there are, there are a lot, but, you know, I, I faced Chris uh, – I don't know how you pronounce it, Luliano, Iliano, Luliano, Chris Luliano. Yeah, prime time. He he uh, he shut me out um, the first time we played him, and then I got one by him in the championship. But he was definitely one of the hardest I I went against all summer, for sure. What you find make what did you find made him so tough to get around? I think just how long he was, and also like his footwork. I think he had really good footwork for how big he was, um, and then also his. Just like lacrosse IQ, he was really smart with like slides and being the two and like his positioning, how he played angles, all all those things were really hard to go against. So, yeah, he was just he's he's a good matchup every time. He's a really good matchup. Who's the best trash talker on Shock? Oh, uh, Gary. Gary, right? Yeah, Gary. yeah. Gary Gary's always getting in people's ears for sure. It's, it's got to be him. One one more thing before I let you go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was at I was at your last uh, high school game last year. Obviously, tough loss, and yeah. I know nobody wants to talk about McDonough. So tell me why the twenty twenty four title is coming back to Lake Ave. I I mean, I've only been a part of it for one year, but the past two years, it's it's gone their way. Um, this year, you know, there's a different there's a different vibe though. With you know, people aren't going to let that happen again. Um, they want, they want, they want revengeance. I mean, like everyone's just super locked in and, and super like we've already started working out together and being, being closer as a team and, and realizing like, like this, this is the year, like we're, we're going, we're going to win it this year. Um, So it's definitely, a, it's definitely a different mindset than last year was. Thank you so much to five-star attackman, Matty Higgins from boys, Latin West coast stars and team 91 for joining us. Maddie, we're really pumped to uh, see what's in store for you in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. And we've got another five-star guest on this episode of the NLF Insider Podcast. Joining us now is the number eight prospect in the class of 2025, a defenseman slash LSM from the Habford School outside of Philly and Big Four Triple H, and a recent Duke commit because apparently the whole team's going there, Gavin Cooper. Gavin, thanks for joining us. No problem. Excited to be on tonight. Yeah, so first first question I gotta ask, you got four commits to Duke on Triple H. Would you guys all make like a blood oath or a secret pact or what's the deal there? So we actually got the call September one and Coach Caputo was like, Would you like to come down? All five of you guys are coming down. So we all met up on the second, which was which was a great experience, especially since we've been playing for the same club team since I think third grade. So it's it was a great experience. Yeah. So aside from, you know, the, the, all of you guys, I mean, take us through your individual process. I'm sure you had everybody, you know, calling you on right, right at midnight on September one. Uh, was it a bit overwhelming for you? Was it everything you expected it to be? Take us through that. Yeah. So midnight happened. It, I didn't do a great job of compartmentalizing beforehand. So I was kind of all over the place over the first couple, couple weeks of September. My parents did a great job. They helped walk me through. But my recruiting for me, um, 
start a little bit earlier. July 1 was a big time for me since I come from a big military family. So actually my top four, five schools were Army, Navy, Air Force, and Duke. So those were the only schools that I visited. And I mean, I love them all. So like it was a little nice having an extra month to decide, but that's kind of where my process started. Yeah, you mentioned your your family's history with the military. I mean, tell us a little bit more about that. And and you know, I had heard a whole lot of of that with you know coming back to you and and you were legitimately looking at the at the armed forces before choosing Duke. So um, you know, tell us about your family history and, and just kind of the process for you. Yeah. So my dad he flew helicopters. Um, then became a doctor in the military. My mom, she was in the Air Force. My brother, he's doing special forces in the Air Force right now. And my sister is currently at West Point. So the military was a big factor for me. And that was kind of what drove me throughout the process. And because that's eventually what I want to do when I get older. So that was a big factor when it came to my choice. Yeah. So how how were you able to kind of to make that choice? I mean, is it just I don't know a ton about Duke's kind of program. Like, do you have an ROTC there or is that something that kind of, you know, you're interested in and, and knowing that you might be able to to play lacrosse in the ACC and still do the military thing afterward? Yeah. So I originally starting July one, I didn't really know too much about like ROTC programs and all that since I, haven't, I didn't really talk to anyone beforehand. So early on, my focus was just all on the service academies then July 1 hit, and I went up to the Duke Prospect Day. I fell in love with the campus and all that, but I still really wanted the military feel. Then after going up, I was talking to Henry, who just recently went graduated to West Point. Then he's playing lacrosse at Duke, and he's I think he's 29, 30 now. Then I was talking to another one of their guys who played football and lacrosse at Duke. Then I met with the head ROTC person of the Air Force there. And they all like they laid out the map. They said how it was like kind of show me the ropes and how it'd be very achievable to do both ROTC at Duke, which is the military, and still be able to play Division One ACC lacrosse. So it was sort of the best of both worlds in my mind. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty good combination, especially with your family's affinity for mil- for the military. So uh, pretty yeah. tough to beat. So switching gears a little bit, um, you know, tell us about your time at Triple H. It, it seemed like for a long time that the knock on, or I guess the, the rap that your team had was like, yeah, they're really good when they're all there. Um, you know, because it seemed like there was a lot of conflicts with a lot of Malvern and Haverford and high school stuff. So, you know, it seemed like this summer you guys kind of really put it together, um, you know, maybe had your, your most complete summer as a team. So what was that like? And, and then obviously what was it like seeing all those guys fly off the board to some of the best schools in the country right away? It was a pretty great feeling. Like I said earlier, we all started playing together in third, fourth grade under the guy who got me to Triple H was actually the Fairfield defensive coordinator, Charles Guinta. I mean, he's a great guy. And he got me to Triple H, then Coach McKinney, Coach Restivo kind of brought me up. And I was playing with the 2024s for a while with Mike for a couple of years. And that was like Maddie Wills and all of them. So it was pretty cool sitting back last year and watching all the 2024s commit. Then this year, when it was our time, I mean, Coach McKinney did a phenomenal job helping me with through the process. Coach Banks, I mean, there were a ton of help throughout the whole thing. 
And just after spending what seems like every single summer since third grade with the same group of guys, it's been, it was a great feeling to not only be in a spot where I was able to get the options that I'd like, but being able to see some of my closest friends get the options they've always dreamed of. So I'm going to be any more prouder of the guys and I'm going to be any more thankful of the Triple H coaches. Yeah, and, and you also came off a season where you moved to LSM kind of early in the season, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at Haverford and really kind of took to it in all state. Uh, as a sophomore at Haverford for defensive player, pretty much never happens. So what was that like for you, kind of getting used to a different position, kind of showing your versatility and, and showing like, hey, listen, I can do a little bit of everything. Do you kind of think that that helped elevate your stock in, in terms of recruiting as well? It was kind of a game by game scenario for Coach Dawson. So we graduated my freshman year. I got some time. Then we ended up graduating a lot of defensive players. So we ended up starting three sophomores this past year for Haverford and Charlie Hopper, Callan Gardner. They're off to great places. Callan's going to Notre Dame. Charlie's going to Penn. So we had a great group of guys and it was just game by game. I'd either play like against Malvern. I moved up for LSM a couple games, then other games that there was an attack when I went down. I didn't really think it was too big of like an ask. I mean, I enjoy playing both of them. I was talking to Coach Caputo. He says he sees me more as a close guy um, in college, but either way, I like playing both of the positions. Team guy. Yeah, that's it. Be a wee guy. Be a wee guy. Yeah. Um, you know, playing so early and, and starting at Haverford so early, like I was just saying, pretty much never happens, especially kind of on the defensive end. You know, how much have you been able to take away from that playing at such a high level? Um, and how much has that helped elevate your game when you're going up against guys who are, you know, three, four years older than you, and then you can still hold your own. And I know when we talked earlier this season, you said you got, you know, there were a couple of times as a freshman where you got beat by some of the better guys. And then you were able to kind of, you know, get a little bit of revenge this year. So what was that like for you? And, and you know, how have you been able to elevate your game through your time at Haverford? Freshman year, I went into the whole season not really having an expectation of what I was going to do a couple injuries went down I was able to start the thing with freshman year I just try to like know my role on the team which was a big part and just try and learn as much from the older guys as I could like Wilcox and who's at Penn State and Pat Dillon and they really like helped me a lot then sophomore year those guys left so it's kind of like coach Dawson before the season told me I had to step up a little bit and after having that one year under my belt, I felt like my confidence grew a little bit. And I think that was just a big difference between freshman and sophomore year. It's just because I felt like I could guard the guys when freshman year, I was still like sitting back a little bit. And I was like, wait, this guy is going off to this place. Then this past year, it's more been, all right, like I can hang with these guys. Let's see what, let's see what we can do. And I mean, the rest of the guys on the team did a great job supporting and helping me out throughout. Whenever I did get beat, they were always there to slide. So it was a great season for us. I know we were talking off air about this, but you just started playing football again this year. Before that, big water polo guy, which is I yeah. mean, just tell just tell me you're from the Interact without telling me you're from the Interact. Yeah. Um, but you know how much I'm curious. I mean, the football obviously always translates over, but. You know, tell us a bit about your time playing water polo and, you know, did that help, you know, with it carry over to lacrosse in any way? I'm sure the endurance, I guess, a little bit, right? And you were saying you, you took a couple cheap, shot, cheap shots in your day. Yeah, I mean, 
hats off to the water polo guys. I think it's probably the hardest sport out there. I've played for seven, eight years. That was actually like my first love when it came to sports. I thought I was all in for college water polo. And I actually was doing the pipeline for a little bit, like the USA water polo track, that sort of thing. Then lacrosse happened, and I realized that I don't live out on the West Coast. I live on the East Coast, so I might as well like take advantage of all the opportunities there. But during our water polo season last year, they would have morning swim almost every single day, like then two, three-hour practice after school, and it was just – thanks. It was intense. Like they would have us holding like bricks over our heads. It was like Navy SEAL type of training. We would drop the bricks, then like we'd only be able to like we'd have to go down, pick it up, then tread. And that's essentially what a whole practice was like. It was just conditioning. So it was it didn't really translate that well for like footwork and stuff, but I think some of the best shape I've ever been in my life has been after water polo season because my endurance was through the roof. Dude, I'm exhausted just listening to that. I don't ever want to go through a water polo practice. I, I can tell Flano doesn't want to. And Daisy definitely doesn't want to. I see Davey, Daisy passed out over there. Next NLF event, me and you going right down to the hotel pool and we're battling it out, pal. Yeah, I'm down. Those are always the most fun, hotel pools. Gav, one more question for you. What, let's... I mean, everybody Everybody sees you. They, they know how strong you are. What are the weight room numbers looking like these days? Put up 330 on bench. Um, put up 445 on squat. Good and God. I haven't really maxed the deadlift, so I'm not really too sure. My God. But you told me, did you or did you not say that Griff Meyer is beating you in lifts right now? He, currently at this moment, he is. But I plan on, plan on changing that by the end of winter. All right, love love the mentality. And thank you so much to five-star defenseman Gavin Cooper, a recent Duke commit, for his time tonight on the NLF Insider Podcast. Gavin, pumped to uh, have had you and looking forward to seeing what's in store for you and the Fords and uh, and then your final season with Triple H. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I always love talking to you guys, and thank you so much for your help throughout the whole process.